Hello everyone, my name is Samantha Holloway. I'm a reader and programme director in the Centre for Medical Education School of Medicine based at the College of Life and Biomedical Sciences at Cardiff University in the UK. You are now listening to the second season of the European Wound Management Association podcast. I am very aware that many of you will be listening to this at a time when the COVID-19 pandemic is still of major concern. The pandemic is touching every aspect of everyday life and has meant we've all had to change the way we work and live. Yuma thought very carefully about continuing the podcast series at this very sensitive time in the hope that this will be of help to you. Don't forget that you can listen to our previous podcast episodes on antimicrobial stewardship, atypical wounds and much more. I'm pleased to announce that the second season of the Yuma podcast is devoted to the prevention and management of diabetic foot ulceration. This season has an educational focus and we will provide a comprehensive introduction into the world of diabetic foot disease, prevention, assessment and management. Today's guest will discuss why Yuma is dedicating a series of podcast episodes to diabetic foot disease and ulceration and how it is becoming an increasing global concern that needs to be addressed. I'm very pleased to welcome the current president of Yuma, Alberto Piagesi. Professor Piagesi is a director of the Diabetic Foot Section of the Pisa University Hospital, Department of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of Pisa, Italy. Welcome, Alberto. Thank you, Samantha. I'm glad to join you today and to introduce this timely podcast series. It's a big honor for me. Thank you. Uh, Alberto, can I start by asking you, why is Yuma bringing more focus to diabetic foot disease and ulceration? As this is uh, something that, uh, as a president, I strongly put forward when I got the presidency of Yuma because uh, diabetic foot is uh, prevailing, I would say, in the world because of the, of the increased uh, prevalence of diabetes. Increasing number of people who develop chronic complications because of the longer life they have. So we are... Uh, in a way facing a sort of explosion of cases in the world. And uh, we felt in the same times that uh, people involved in, uh, on the field in uh, managing uh, chronic ulceration was not enough, uh, I would say, exposed to new uh, findings and new knowledge and guidelines uh, about diabetic foot as the, the relatively small number of people that manage diabetic foot since the beginning was. And uh, the idea was to focus uh, on diabetic foot both to expose people from Yuma to diabetic foot, but on the other side to profit of the present experience of wound dealers to disseminate and increase the possibility of diabetic foot patient to be cured um, in, in the field in real life was the main uh, the main uh, driver of uh, these initiatives. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, just as a follow up question, as one of the chairs of the first ever World Diabetic Foot Day, can you tell the listeners more about this initiative that will take place in the future? Yes, this is something that came as a, an advocacy initiative towards diabetic foot. I would say, I would change the term advocacy, which is a little bit limiting uh, the sense of uh, this kind of initiative. I would say uh, more a political, I would say, initiative to focus on diabetic foot in their general aspects. 
And the initiatives came after 30 years from uh, another initiative, uh, the San Vincent Declaration, that was uh, carried on and put forward by the International Diabetic Federation. That was a document that um, had as an objective to reduce by 50% the rate of amputation in the diabetic patients by five years since the, the declaration. We are far from that uh, target, uh, and we are still seeing uh, problems in, in managing diabetic foot, and the number of amputation after a decrease in the, in, in the last years more recently show a new increase. So it, we felt that it was uh, sensible to organize an initiative in which we were, as a community around diabetic food, reflecting on what we have done, what is the situation now, and what we need to improve in our attitude toward this complex disease for reaching this uh, ambitious target. All the association around uh, around diabetic food, like uh, the Diabetic Food Study Group, the International Working Group on Diabetic Food, DFood, the Association of Diabetic Food Surgeons, uh, agreed in gathering inside UMA in these events to, to participate in a common initiative, which has, as I said, more a political and a general uh, meaning rather than a scientific one. Okay, thank you. The profile of our UMA podcast listeners includes healthcare professionals, researchers, industry representatives of interest groups, and many others. If you're a healthcare professional not specialised in the management of individuals with diabetic foot disease, what are the key things you would need to know? For example, if you worked in community care and encountered patients with diabetes mellitus from time to time. This is really an important issue because diabetes per se and diabetic foot also most often under-evaluated, under-diagnosed, because there are subtle diseases. There are conditions in which uh, most often uh, there are no symptoms. People arrive at the observation of physicians and specialists very late, and uh, being able to proactively uh, search for this condition and to to make them emerge uh, means to intervene early and possibly to prevent the evolution of the consequences of this situation. Being in the community, being in the field out there, as we say in Italy, means having the possibility of uh, getting them early. Preventing the late referral of cases improves very much the, the possibility of uh, being effective in saving limbs and lives. I, I don't want to be too much uh, dramatic, but uh, we have to realize that we are speaking of a condition that uh, puts not only the limbs of patients at risk of being amputated, but the same life of patients of being lost. And this is something that uh, can happen in a way, can be not even perceived by the patient itself. So it's a, a huge responsibility, is, a, is an important work to do, uh, because uh, being able to proactively search and recognize this patient before means most often being able in saving their life. I guess a key question, if you're, if you're in the community, you're a healthcare worker and you're going to visit somebody with diabetes, you ask the question, has somebody looked at your foot today? You know, have you or somebody looked at your foot? And it could be as simple a question as that, really. Yeah, but also uh, it could be very important to just uh, 
telling the patient, do you agree if I have a look at your feet? And uh, if the patient agrees, the, and the visiting nurse or the community nurse or the healthcare giver that is in contact with the patient is able to get the initial signs of the presence of the pathology, this could be a very pivotal moment for the patient that can be then addressed to more uh, specialistic and dedicated treatment. The most difficult in this phase is to let emerge the pathology because the pathology most often is like an iceberg, is uh, um, under the level of water and uh, you don't see it, but it's present and it's working against the health of the patient. There could, of course, be differences in healthcare systems in each country and each specialist needs to make the relevant adjustments based on the system and available resources and facilities. Do you have any key advice for commissioners of healthcare and the minimum resources required to provide an effective diabetic foot care service? Yes, I, I agree with you. This is another crucial point. There are still now in Europe, uh, I would see all over the world, but we are uh, focusing in Europe, uh, in Europe, huge variabilities from one country to another, um, depending mainly on uh, on the history in which uh, the, the situation has been developed uh, developed uh, before. Uh, what we need, the, the most important thing from my point of view, would be to homogenize the approach because we know now what uh, what it takes to 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 deliver a good uh, service for diabetic food. There are guidelines, fortunately, that have been published. Uh, even uh, last year in, from the International Working Group on Diabetic Food. But what we need is that these guidelines would be implemented in real life in, in the services of uh, each country. Basically, what is a, a screening of diabetic food by GPs and centers that are able to manage the, the difficult cases like the ones that needs to be revascularized and eventually operated because of infection and other conditions. So we, we need at least a two-level system in which uh, basic, uh, less uh, complex conditions are maintained at a low level of, uh, of complexity, but also we need several centers in which uh, whenever they tend to evolve in a much more complex situation, this complex situation can be addressed adequately. And this two-level or three-level, in some cases, system can only be implemented if uh, political decisions are made uh, behind this. If, for instance, uh, it's a good system from this point of view and is trying to implement uh, generally in the country, but I am aware that this is still a process which is going on. Whereas I am aware that there are also in UK areas in which there are not optimal uh, situations. It's, you know, it's a process that is going on. Moving on to the next question, uh, what can healthcare professionals be telling patients now to improve their knowledge about diabetes and diabetic foot disease to avoid serious problems in the future? This would take probably much more than the time that we have to address this question. Education of the patient, involvement of the patient in the process of care is, of course, mandatory and is crucial. And things to be taken in consideration in this process is something that may vary. If I was in a general level, I would say to the patient, please take care of your feet, explore the situation of your foot daily, and find a point of referral if you are in, in trouble with your foot. Because sometimes, and this is not an exception, patients don't know 
to whom uh, refer the problem they have because uh, their GPU is not aware of the complexity of the problem or maybe that in, in, in the region they, they are or in the, uh, in the place they live, there is not a central referral. So the, the advice is to educate the patient, but also tell them where to go, where to who to contact in case problems uh, appear. And this is another another big issue. Yeah, so it's really about recognising it early and getting help early and not leaving things, which uh, is something that we always tell our patients. Okay, thank you, Alberto. Um, thinking about people working within a researcher role in health and medical science, could you pinpoint a few research areas linked to diabetic foot disease and ulceration, which are leading the forefront of developments? For sure. Um, you know, you may imagine this situation as a dynamic situation, which is uh, moving according to uh, achievements and uh, I would say evidences that research uh, uh, find and make it available for clinical use. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we are treating the problem now is not the way we were treating the problem years ago and probably in a few years things will change again. But thanks uh, to some uh, recent research achievement, we are now in much better shape towards uh, the possibility of carrying diabetic food because we we had uh, some uh, randomized control trial that gave us the possibility of using uh, of using local me- measure, local means to treat diabetic food ulcers. We had uh, two randomized control trials published on the Lancet, on one on uh, the use of sucrose octasulfates uh, in the local management of neuroischemical ulceration. Another one um, published the same on the Lancet on uh, the use of uh, leukocyte concentrates on, on chronic ulceration. And the third one published on diabetes care on the use of topical oxygen. These three uh, big trials um, published on top scores journal are in a way uh, the sign that uh, research uh, is moving in our field, and we are very happy that uh, we are we are moving from uh, uh, almost no to to something that it's uh, much more populated. I would say from by evidences. The, the next step will be uh, moving to translational science uh, from uh, basic science, from uh, the science of materials, the science of uh, nanotechnologies, the, the edges of research implemented into uh, clinical trials. And another, I would say, very promising field, this is something that uh, uh, I think we will uh, see a lot of uh, application in the future, is the, the use of e-technologies and uh, sensors that uh, may, may make us uh, aware of the real condition of the patient in the real time without being together with the patient. Uh, a sort of telemonitoring of the patient. This has been applied to offloading, for instance, and we have now offloading devices that can be monitored in this way. But I I can see that in the future there will be dressing that can be monitored uh, by internet. It's a very fascinating uh, moment for diabetic food since uh, all these uh, possibilities will come true in, I think, in a few years. Good. Well, we look forward to that. Um, thinking about individuals working within industry with a focus on diabetic foot disease, do you have some important messages to share with them? 
For sure. We are very happy that uh, the industries and companies are willing to support research in diabetic foods uh, area. The, the trials that I was uh, mentioning to you uh, were originated by non-conditioned support from industry. And this led to important uh, achievements uh, in terms of uh, consequences for the, for the patient. We need to go on this way and possibly increase the collaboration, of course, with transparency and the, the shield of good clinical practice and good experimental practice. But we still need this, uh, this support from the industry. And I, if, I would, uh, if I would say the European Wound Management Association as a policy of, uh, of uh, collaboration with uh, industry, transparency and collaboration with industry since uh, a long time. And I hope that this will continue in the future for a long time. Thank you. So, Alberta, thank you for providing a very informative overview of diabetic foot disease and ulceration and why Yuma is committed to focusing on this serious challenge. What would be your key take-home messages for our listeners? Well, I... I hope that uh, diabetic foot uh, will change its uh, hierarchy in the agenda of uh, European policymakers because this is what we need. We need a change of uh, of pace, a paradigm shift. Uh, and we would uh, we would like and we hope to have the same uh, visibility and the same investments in terms of resources and uh, uh, of interest that cancer has had in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's because diabetic foot is like cancer in terms of uh, life-threatening, in terms of resource consumption. The problem is that while cancer has enough resources, diabetic foot has not yet. And uh, what we are striving for is changing this perception, mainly on the political level. What would be the one thing you would like to see change in the next few years to improve the outcomes for individuals with diabetic foot disease? Yeah, I think that uh, this is something that uh, all of us uh, would, uh, would think uh, uh, in our local uh, context. But in general, I would say that one thing that I would like very much to see is, again, a reduction in amputation rates and, and a reduction in uh, an increase in life expectancy for these patients because this is something that uh, all of us would uh, feel as a personal responsibility as caregivers towards these patients. Thank you, yeah, a very important message. Thank you very much, uh, Alberta, for joining me today. You've been listening to the first episode of the second season of the Yuma podcast on the prevention and management of diabetic foot disease and ulceration. If you want to learn more about Yuma's activities, you can visit our website, www.yuma.org, or follow us on social media at Yuma Wound. Every year, Yuma organises the biggest wound management conference in Europe. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, don't forget to press like and share it with your colleagues. Until next time, thank you.